glad that you guys have joined us today. Thanks for worshiping with us. Uh, what an awesome, awesome Sunday to be at church. Uh, we are starting a new series called Unoffendable. And, you know, in this world, there's a lot of people who are easily offended. You guys know some of those people? Uh, maybe some of those uh, you came with today don't elbow anyone. Uh, maybe it's you. You're the easily offended one. <laughs> so you probably don't do well with my sermons. But, um, but anyways, uh, imagine this, imagine this. Imagine and said, what if, what if instead of being easily offended, we were unoffendable? Unoffendable, okay? That's where we're going in this series. And it's gonna be a journey to get there. But my hope is during this series that you can see how it might be possible to be unoffendable. Uh, let me pray just before we dive in here. Uh, Father God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth that, that this church would be built on you, God, and that we would stand on your word. God, I, I pray for those in the room that are coming with, with hurts and heartaches, with uh, loss that they're dealing with, maybe anxiety or fear or just need courage and strength for the day, God. I pray that they would meet with you that you would speak to each and every one of us, that, that the message that we would hear is, is not from me, but from you. And Lord, that, that you'd help us to see who you created us to be, the amazing, amazing person that you created. God, thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It was 7.51 a.m. on Friday, January 12th at the Lefont, sorry, I can't say that really well, Lefont subway station in Washington, D.C., in the middle of the morning rush hour. The, the man named Joshua opened his violin case like he had done many times before and began to play. Minutes went by and no one stopped. Hundreds of people passing without even a pause. Acting as if this man doesn't even exist. He was invisible. He continues to play and play and play with no one stopping. This man, Joshua, his last name is Bell. Joshua Bell. And he is a world-renowned violinist. In his hands, he is holding a violin that was handcrafted in 1713. Worth in the neighborhoods of $3.5 million. Just the night before, he played to a packed house of thousands that paid over $100 a ticket to see him Play. And now, in the middle of the morning rush hour, no one even pauses to listen. What's Joshua Bell's value? Is it $100 a ticket? Or is it not even worth a glance? What's his value? And when we bring it home to us, what's our value? What's, 
what's our worth and who defines that value? Who defines our worth? Our whole lives, people put labels on us. They put labels on us, like too short or too tall, too fat or too thin, too small of this or too big of that. And what's scary is those labels begin to define us. They define us. In, in one way, either we become what they have put on us, that's who we become, or we push against that and fight against it and try to become somebody that's not that. But either way, these labels that people are placing all throughout our lives starts at a very young age. They shape us. That's scary. That's scary when people that maybe we hardly know or we don't really like or aren't friendly or don't share our same values define our worth, shape who we are. We all have a maker, a creator, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created man and woman. He made us, and he shaped us into who we are. God did that. And God is the only one who should have the right to define our worth and our value. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, and I highly encourage you to read this this week. Just uh, if you want, if you got the Bible app on your phone, if you don't have the Bible app, I encourage you to download it right on my little home screen. I got the Bible app, and I am in my Bible every single day, just soaking in God's word, trying to figure out who I am. Who did God create me to be? Because it's really important to know that. Really important. And so listen to what Ephesians says. The context of Ephesians chapter 1 is the purpose of man. What is, what is the purpose that God has for us? And after the greetings, Paul says this. He says, verse 3, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. This is written to Christians. It's, it's for all those who are followers of Christ. He has blessed us in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ even before he made the world. God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. It gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. This is who we are. This is who we are. Every 
father of Christ, follower of Christ is united with Jesus, that we belong to Jesus. Now, I went to a Christian school growing up as a kid. There was like 40 kids in my grade, uh, class of 20 and another class of 20. And I, at one point, decided to change and go to public school, went to public middle school, public high school. When I got to public high school, I had a class, I was in a class of 900 kids. 900 in my class, not in my high school, 3,500 in the high school, 900 in my class. And when you get to high school, something ramped up a little bit, fights, fights at school. Now, in the Christian school, you know, we fought over who got to erase the whiteboard, okay? But in, in, private, in public school, it's like you fight to live. Like, I'm hoping to go to school without a broken arm, right? It's like, there's these big kids, and they're like, you know, I'll break your arm if you don't whatever. Like, okay, I don't want my arm broken. They say, hey, meet me after school at Sunshine Park in Anoka. Like, I don't want to meet anyone after school in Sunshine Park. Because back then, I was not as jacked as I am now. You know what I'm saying? You know, I work out a lot with my TV remote and my fishing pole. But back then, I was like this. And what's interesting in school is... If you make friends or, or you know some of the seniors and you're a freshman, all of a sudden you're like, okay, they know me. I'm with these guys, right? And if you're with these guys, it's like no one's going to mess with you. I got some friends that are hockey players or football players, wrestlers. Okay. Look at the passage again. We belong to Jesus, Okay. We get, that. we get that, okay, if you're, you're with the, the, the big guys, and my friends are MMA guys, okay? I'm okay, I'm be all right. But we belong to Jesus. We belong to Jesus, that we're with him, that he is with us and he is for us, that he has our back. And if Jesus has our back, maybe we should have a, a little different um, hitch in our giddy-up right? We, we walk a little more confidently that Jesus is with us. We don't have to be so meek and scared because God is on our side. He has purchased our freedom. We are forgiven. We are loved. We are adopted into his family. We are children of God. We are sons and daughters of the king. So when we wake up in the morning, if we would only understand that, we would go about our day so much differently. The amount of fear would decrease knowing that God is with us. He fights for us. He is by our side. We're walking with him and following him. A pastor said this one time. He said, it's very dangerous to think more highly of yourself than you ought. But it's equally as dangerous to think too low of yourself than you ought think too low of myself. I'm nothing. I can't, can't do anything. I'm a nobody. Well, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get paralyzed and not do anything, not realizing who God created you to be, what God created you to do. When you look at the mirror, this might be one of the most dangerous exercises of your day is you wake up and you look in the mirror, okay? 
and you see all the imperfections and you hear the words that have been spoken over you. Is that really true? Is that really who you are? Jess and I are huge country music fans, okay? It's the only type, good type of music besides Christian music. Uh, country, well, there's other good types of music, but country music some good stuff. And we love like up-and-coming up and stars. And so we've been going to a couple concerts recently. We just went to one in Des Moines. And uh, this, it's a country music singer. Her name's Priscilla Block. And so I, I have a picture of her. Um, now, at the concert, she, um, I didn't share which picture she had there because she had like some shorty shorts on, a little short. <laughs> like you see the pockets, you know, it's like, like that, that would be a little bit risque here. It was risque then too. But uh, this is Priscilla Block. And a little self-described, a little more shapely. And when she was trying to make it in country music, she moved to Nashville and she would meet with the record management people. And they'd say to her, after they listened to her music, they'd say, it's great, you're a really good singer, but if you don't lose weight, you're not going to make it. So we're not going to consider you until you lose this much weight. And when I was at the concert, now Jess and I, we are like the front row people. Like we're like way out front. And as I was sitting there watching this concert, and I was looking at her, here's what I thought. Now be ready to judge me. Really quick. You're going to make some, you're going to think I'm a horrible person. But here's thought number one that I had when I saw her. I thought, she would be really pretty if she lost weight. That's what I thought. Second thought I had is, she's really pretty. So which is it? Is it really pretty if, or is she just really pretty? Jess said her, her, with her face, she looks like Blake Lively. I don't know if you know who that is. So, so which one is it? When we look in the mirror, what is true? Are we really, really pretty if? If there's some changes. If I didn't have this. If I didn't. Or are we just really pretty? Ephesians 2, 10 says, For we... For we, that includes you, that includes me. For we, I, are God's masterpiece. That I am, that you are God's masterpiece. That Priscilla is God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Here's the thing. If we think too low of ourselves, it's going to keep us from doing the very things he's called us to do because we don't think we're enough. We don't think we're good enough. We don't measure up. We need a change in order to do what God's calling us to do. No, no, no. We got to understand that every human being is created in the image of God by a master artist. We are amazing. 
beautiful. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. The verb in this passage emphasizes God's creative work. His ability that is unmatched. Created you as a masterpiece. Listen to Psalm 139 verse 13. 139 13 says this. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. Who did? God did. You made them. You made them. I, I tell my kids this. I say, hey, when kids at school make fun of you, you know what they're making fun of? What God created. That's what they're going to make fun of. That's what they're making. Who created you? God did. I didn't decide to look like this. God made me like this. And he is a master artist. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Knit me together. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship. Hey, hey, how do I look in the mirror? Your workmanship, here's how I look. It's marvelous. That's how I look. It's marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. When no one knew what I was looking at, you were forming me, God. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. God, as I look in the mirror, I'm making all these judgments. Other people have made all these judgments, but I got to put those aside and realize when God looks at me and he sees everything, his thoughts about me, precious. He loves me. I'm just like he wanted me to be. When you look, uh, Jess and I were um, deer hunting this, this last week, and it, while we were deer hunting, we had our kids with us, and it started to snow. And I'm not quite ready for snow and Mariah Carey Christmas album yet. Um, but it started to snow, and it was interesting about snowflakes, right? Is This boggles my mind. Each one is unique, isn't it? It's crazy. Each one is different. They're formed and shaped to different shapes. Every single one is unique. There are no two alike. So it is with us. The master artist created each of us different and unique. Every single one of us knit together and formed together in our mother's womb before we even saw the light of day God knew. He chose us, picked us, adopted us to be his children. He loves us. He's with us. He goes before us, fights for us. Back to, back to Joshua, Joshua Bell. How good of a violinist is Joshua Bell? That day, he made $32. $32 he made playing in the subway. Chump change. And a newspaper interviewed people 
as they went through this, this was a social experiment. They wanted to see what would happen. And so they interviewed some people and a journalist went up to a shoe shine person who was shining shoes on the other side of the terminal. And he asked them, hey, what did you think about the violinist? And the shoe shiner said, well, he was loud. He's loud. But he's pretty good. This is the first time I didn't call the police on one of the performers. <laughs> and the shoe shiner pointed over to the escalator and said, a couple years ago, a homeless guy died right over there. And people kept walking by. And no one did anything. Finally, the police and ambulance came and people continued to walk by looking straight ahead as if the man didn't exist. As if the man maybe never existed. What's our worth? What is our value? And who defines that? Who defines it? God is the only one who should be allowed to. God is the only one who should be, be allowed to. My hope is that this week and weeks in the future, that as words are spoken over you, you're able to discern them. You're able to figure out who is speaking this to me. And you decide who gets to declare your value. Who gets to decide your worth? Whose opinion truly matters? Whose opinion matters? You guys have a God who loves you, created you, chose you, adopted you, formed you, shaped you, and loves you just the way he created you to be. And he chose you for a purpose. For a purpose. To be a part of his great plan to help the world know that salvation is available in Jesus Christ. A one-of-a-kind work of art, a masterpiece. Now, I'm going to challenge you to say something. And now this is kind of get cheesy, but, and I try to not do cheesy. I don't like cheesy, but you're probably like, all my jokes are cheesy. But I don't think they are. I think they're really good. But cheesy. So this is cheesy, but a little bit, but I want you to try something. I want you to try something. Try this. Say, I am loved. Try one more time. I am loved. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Our whole life we spend trying to be loved. Get love from our parents, love from our classmates, looking for anyone who will love us. Every single one of us is looking to be loved and you are loved. You are loved. God loves you. God made you.
Please pray with me. God, we know that you are a master artist. That you are amazing. That you are powerful. That you are creative. When we look at your creation, when we look at a snowflake or a mountain or a stream or a waterfall, we see your hand. When we look at the animals in nature, the lionfish, we look at a giraffe, a zebra. It's like you painted them with your hand. And it's amazing. But when we look at ourselves, we think it's not good enough. I pray, Lord, that when we see ourselves, we would see ourselves as you see us. And that words spoken over us, whether they're decades ago or whether they were just this last week, no matter who they came from, that we would only hold on tightly to the words you have spoken over us. That we would soak in those words, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that your workmanship is marvelous. God, that you don't make mistakes, that we are just how you wanted us to be. And God, I pray that nothing would stop us from being a part of your work here on earth. That we wouldn't think too lowly of ourselves, but that we would see ourselves just like you see us. And that we would do exactly what you're calling us to do. That we would be the people of God on mission, on mission to help more people come to know you and trust in you, and love you. We thank you, God, and pray this in Jesus' name.